Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. What happens when you run out of your own money and credit? Well, you look to other people's money. We're going to talk about raising capital today on the Real Estate Guys radio program. If you love real estate and have always wanted to own your own business, listen up. The Real Estate Guys and their panel of experts want to teach you how to go full-time fast in the real estate syndication business. These next few years may go down in history as one of the best times ever to acquire investment real estate. There are deals everywhere if you know where to look and how to assemble the resources. The Secrets of Successful Syndication Seminar will show you how to make big money doing big deals from a team of experts that have syndicated projects totaling more than $1 billion. Don't wait for someone to give you a raise or create a job for you. Attend the secrets of successful syndication and learn how to build a team, raise capital, find deals, and make full-time money in six months or less. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. All the big players use syndication as a way to diversify risk, optimize profits, and earn big money. You can too. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. Even better, invest where you have a solid team to support you. We've been hearing great things about Memphis, Tennessee, and Terry Kerr from Mid-South Homebuyers. Since 2002, Terry and his team have been delivering turnkey rental property solutions ideal for out-of-area real estate investors. So if you're looking for affordable, trouble-free, turnkey investment property, call Terry. Use our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 118. That's 888-510-6838, extension 118. Or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. We're so glad you stopped by today. We have a great show for you. And joining us, as usual, co-host financial strategist Russell Gray. Hey, Robert. We have an exciting topic today. We do. that is near and dear to our heart. And those of you that didn't listen to last week's show, uh, you should go back and listen to it first. And then come back and listen to this show which would be hard to do if you're listening on the radio. No, but last week we had a really a really fun show. We, we brought three real-world investors, not, you know, public speakers, not guys who are out teaching it on the circuit, just dudes, right, guys. They happen to be three guys yeah. who are doing the thing and had great, great feedback on that, right? We we asked these guys if they would, you know, sit in the in the chair and, and just tell us a little bit about their story. And uh, some interesting things came up. Um, so so the show was was great in that regard. But but one of the, the big things is, is how do you get to that level? Most of these guys had started as casual investors on the side, buying a property here and there, and have now grown that to something bigger. And, and what's the next step? How do you get past what you and only you can do in your own account? Right. Well, I mean, even, even before they actually started buying stuff, you know, in Jay's case, he kind of grew up a little bit in the business. Uh, you look at Andrew. Andrew was listening to the show. He was a listener and uh, then joined the mentoring club. And so he was investing in his education. And we weren't the only place he was going to learn. I mean, he was going to meetings. He's reading books. Uh, eventually, he got out there and he started doing it. And he quickly found, like most people do, that you uh, run out of your own money, and there's more deals than there is money, at least in your account, unless you happen to be blessed with a huge income and a big balance sheet. And so then the question becomes is, what do I, what do, I do next? Where do I go from here? How do I keep going, especially if you really enjoy doing the business? Right now, some guys decide to go into the business as a professional so they can be close to the business, do deals, brokerage fees, etc. Some people go into the management side of things and they make money on that part of it. Other people go into the business of aggregating money and going through the 
process of building a portfolio that they share with their investors. Uh, and so there's a lot of different ways to approach the problem. You know, today we want to talk specifically about this notion of going out and getting the money that you need to keep going even when you're out of money. Yeah, the, the show today is about raising capital, and our friend Robert Kiyosaki says it is the essential skill of a business person is knowing how to raise money. And we're not suggesting that everybody listening is going to be in that position today, but there's a really good chance that if you're interested enough in real estate investing to listen to a podcast on it, that, that you're probably not just a casual investor. You're probably looking at a bigger portfolio, bigger projects down the line, big vision of where you can take this this whole business. Uh, we've done our Secrets of Successful syndication event now three times and have the fourth one on the calendar in August. And we attract the kind of people who want to be business people in real estate. But this show isn't about syndication. It's not just about putting together big deals. It's about the mindset of what it takes to go out and raise capital. For us, that's probably for a real estate deal, but that's not the only thing you'd raise money for. Lots of things to raise money for, right? In my past, I've raised a lot of money for real estate deals, but I've also raised money for business ventures. And the concept is the same. And really, it's about sales. It is totally about sales. And, you know, even if you think, hey, I never plan to use other people's money, I mean, think about it. Just my own experience, right? So uh, I'm, I'm a newlywed. I'm a year into being married, not even, and I decide I want to buy a house. I don't have a down payment. So, you know, the first thing I do is I got to convince my wife, which was an easy sell. We both wanted to get a house. But in some cases, you may want to go get an investment property or get a bigger house. So she's constantly trying to sell me on getting a bigger place, right? right. So there's sales just if even if you just have a spouse or a, or a partner that you're working with and you have to make decisions together because you're both contending with different points of view and you have to come to a consensus, which means you have to be able to present your case persuasively. And then so we didn't have the money. So we said, well, who do we know who does have the money who might want to help us? And, you know, like a lot of young kids, we ended up going to grandma. We went to her grandmother and her grandmother back then gave us $10,000, which was a lot of money in 1979. And we signed a note and we paid 10% interest and we bought our first property. And so that was our first experience in raising money. And that was on the debt side. So we borrowed the down payment and then we turned around and we got the loan and we borrowed the money. So borrowing is a way you raise money. You don't just necessarily have to go out and offer people a piece of the action. You may just decide, they, they may just decide that they're interested in interest. And in her case, she, she, her, the benefit that the grandmother got out of the whole thing was she was going to get a little bit of interest, 10% interest back then. I mean, interest rates were high. And so that was still a competitive rate, believe it or not. And then the other thing she got was the gratification of helping her grandchild. And so it, it was not just a financial deal. It was a personal deal. And so you may think, well, that's grandmother. But, you know, people have people they believe in. They have things they want to do to help the world. They may have a property or a neighborhood they're interested in. I mean, if you can find a way, and this is my point, this is the essence of sales. If you can find the way to have your offering align with the interests of the person whose resources you're, you're trying to solicit, uh, then you have a real good chance of getting the deal done and you don't always have to stroke a big check or give up a big piece of the deal or pay a high interest rate to get it done but you do have to get inside the mind and the heart of the decision maker. You know, the first few years I was selling real estate, there weren't the kind of loans available that we've seen even in the last dozen years. There was basically 20% down or maybe 10% down, and there was not a lot of creativity out there. Well, one of the things that we gravitated towards was this idea of equity sharing, where we put together a partner. One partner would put down the down payment. The other partner would live in the house and make the monthly payments. Looking for the exact 
person you were in 1979 who had a job, had income, could make a monthly payment, had desire to own a home, but didn't have the, the down payment saved up. Well, many times the people we would put together to do equity shares were blood relatives. It was grandma or aunt and uncle or mom and dad who didn't want to just gift the money, but they wanted to have some formal agreement. And the agreement was basically, we'll put down the down payment. You guys qualify for the loan and make the monthly payment. We'll own the house together. And in five years, when you sell, we'll split the profit. Yeah. So that's the equity share mentality. That is exactly what we're talking about. Raising capital doesn't mean sitting in front of a boardroom in New York City. Certainly, it gets to that level. But to start with, it's the idea of selling someone else on the benefit to them of being involved with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people do believe that we are in a trough pricing-wise with real estate. I think people think that we bounced off the bottom and things are moving up. We clearly can see that our Federal Reserve Central Bank system is dedicated to the notion of inflation. They say it right on their website, and in particular, housing. Uh, and, and the reason is, is because the banks are carrying a lot of debt secured by that collateral. And when the collateral value is down, the banks are in jeopardy. And it, there's, a, you know, that's a whole different, we could do a whole show just on that. Uh, but the point is, is that the powers that be have a vested interest, uh, political, financial uh, reason to support housing. And so people right now out there believe in housing. And I think a lot of people think it's a good time to get in. But, you know, it's not like the stock market. So people are going to the stock market to look for yields because the the interest, you know, bonds and savings accounts just aren't paying very well. If you can offer them a little bit better yield, back it up with a piece of real estate that they believe in, a personal relationship and the notion that I'm dealing with somebody I know, I like, I trust, I can see the property, I get it, then there's a good chance that that person is going to say, this, this is a good investment. This investment makes sense to me. And so, you know, if you don't have a grandmother or a parent or an aunt or an uncle or some benefactor out there that wants to help you, you still have something to offer these people, especially if you're young. You know, in our in our podcast audience, we have a lot of young people because, you know, just the nature of the beast, right? Smartphones and iTunes and all that kind of stuff, the digital world. And so a lot of these younger folks, they, they haven't built up the resources. It's harder today with, you know, just the cost of living and the taxation and all that stuff to, to save up that initial uh, down payment. But the the lending environment has changed, you know, as, as you mentioned. And so it used to be that you could go out and, you know, I mean, a few years ago, just sign your name and, and have a good credit score and you could get all the money you need. It took a lot of the creativity and the deal making out of the business. For guys like us, it's actually been a lot of fun because the deal making side of it's back in the business. And the reason we spend a lot of time talking about this on the show in this season of the investing cycle is because it's really the art that you have to master if you want to go out and get beyond your own credit score, your own balance sheet, especially if you're just getting started. Well, and recognizing not everybody does. Many people listen because they want to figure out how to get their first investment property and maybe, you know, over the next five or 10 years, own a few. No problem with that. But at some point, you're going to have to raise other people's money, even if it means going to the bank and getting a loan. Right. The very loans you're talking about are other people's money, and that's raising capital in a way. It's figuring out how you can get someone to invest in you, because it's not just about the deal. The deal's important, but what's more important, I know when I look at an investment, the most important thing to me is what we call the promoter, the person sitting at the helm, the person who's got that deal. What are what are they, what do they have? Do they have the fire in their eyes? Are they enthusiastic? Have they educated themselves? I'll take youth and enthusiasm enthusiasm many times over years and years in the saddle. You go you have to have some of that. You have to have some some wherewithal and someone on your team has to have that. And so as you're looking at the opportunities that exist today, if you keep banging your head up against well I can't afford it, 
Jim Rohn would say, no, no, no. You ask yourself, how can I afford it? And the way you can afford it is to figure out what's in it for somebody else. You know, I just you got to take a second and just slow down and really dwell on that particular concept because there is a little voice in your head, to quote Blair Singer, that really influences what you think you can and can't do or what you actually will go out and attempt. So when you have that little voice in your head saying, I can't afford it, you know, it's too big for me. I'm not saying that you should go take on everything that you come across, but most of us only use a small percentage of our creativity. We only get use a small percentage of our productive capabilities. We only use a small percentage of the opportunities and resources that are all around us. And you say, well, why is that? Largely, it's how we think. It's what we, the way we talk to ourselves and the way we view the problem and the way we view our abilities. And the first step in raising money and raising your game and going to the next level, I know in my life it's been this way, is getting over this notion, this limiting thinking and saying, you know, I can do it. And, and, and so it's just a matter of me learning how and somebody out there knows how. And then it's me. It's a matter of me being willing to do what I learn how to do. And the ideas, all the information you need is out there. Really, it's not about the knowledge and the know-how, not in this day and age, because all the information you need to do anything is at your fingertips. It's really about you being willing to take the action. You know, I'm rereading Seth Godin's great book, Purple Cow, which is about how to be remarkable. And one of the things he says is that the vast majority of people flee to risk-free safety. They take the easy way. They don't ruffle feathers. They, they want to be comfortable and safe. And that's why they have mediocrity look, for the rest of the world. Look life. at all the capital flowing into treasuries right now, which makes absolutely no business sense. But they're doing it. So you don't want to be that. You want to instead embrace possibility, change, challenge, and raising capital maybe out of your comfort zone. We'll have a lot to share with you today on the program about that. This is the Real Estate Guys radio show. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Live nationwide, you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Find out more at realestateguysradio.com. The votes are in, and this year's Investor Summit at Sea was a massive hit. Summiteers called it life-changing, far beyond expectations, which were very high, and the best summit yet. If you missed the vote this year, then make plans to join us in 2014. You'll spend an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals, and you'll have a blast. Join the Real Estate Guys for the 12th Annual Investor Summit. It all begins March 8, 2014 in Houston, Texas. Visit Real Estate Guys Radio and click the tab that says Summit to sign up for the advance notice list. You'll get all the details the minute they get released so you can reserve your spot. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit and make plans to spend a week with the Real Estate Guys and an all-star faculty on the 12th Annual Investor Summit at Sea. It's safe to say that most of us could make a better cheeseburger than McDonald's. Pull up Google for the best recipe, buy the meat, fire up the grill, voila. But there are only a handful of people that have created a business model and system like theirs. McDonald's is successful because of their system, not their food. The infinite banking concept is one of the best financial systems that has ever existed. It helped start the Pampered Chef, JCPenney, and Disney World, plus thousands of other businesses. Learn more about the infinite banking concept from our friends at Paradigm Life today by visiting www.beyourbank.com or by calling one 800 870 8670.
Hello, this is Robert Kiyosaki. I'm the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And if you're serious about learning how to invest in real estate, listen to the real estate guys. They really know what they're talking about. Welcome back to the Real Estate Guys radio program, the number one downloaded podcast on real estate investing and a great radio show for more than 15 years. You know, it's so interesting as we go out there and hear a lot of these great podcasts. I love listening to podcasts because of the convenience. Yeah. Right? You're probably listening right now in your car or on the treadmill or something like that, unless you're one of our radio listeners. But having been the guys who started on traditional radio and now are, are repurposing our radio show for, for a podcast, we reach a completely different audience. And, and we, no matter how you listen to the show, we appreciate you. It's the same thing in your real estate investing. You have to look for different ways to be able to reach the audience. And the world has changed. Your point before the break, Russ, about everything's at your fingertips. There's so much information today. We were just in Los Angeles doing a seminar, and people are coming up and wanting to know the, the secret formula, right? I, I love that. They want to know, what, what is it exactly? It's not exactly. It's a science. It's a mindset. It's a paradigm. It isn't a, a checklist. There is so much that is not about the education and the actual material that you go through. It's important that you learn, for sure. You yeah. don't want to just be crazy, you know, hair on fire and, and out doing stuff. But the bigger thing is to mentally get around this idea. As soon as you talk about raising capital, people freak out, right? Like, oh, I can't, I can't go, I can't raise money. I can't ask people for their money. Well, here's the irony on that, you know, because we've obviously been around, seen a lot of people, and the people who are most fearful of raising money are, are typically the most responsible. They're the most caring. They're the people you really want to give your money to more than anybody else because they're going to take care of it. And the whole fact that they're nervous about raising it to start with tells you they, they understand the responsibility of doing it. Uh, you know, other folks are out there just like, hey, you know, I want to go do this. I want to go do that. Give me a bunch of money. So I'm not saying that if somebody comes across and, and they're, they're very aggressive, that means that they're necessarily not a safe bet. But, you know, what you're really interested in doing when you are presenting yourself to the world is presenting yourself as a responsible person. Yeah. So if you find yourself hesitating because of the weight of the responsibility, don't let that stop you. Let that drive you to be more diligent, to understand your deal, to fact check everything you're doing and present, you know, to the best of your ability, an honest deal with no N nothing hidden. We were having a conversation just last night with a gentleman who successfully raised capital, and his quandary is, as he continues down that path, making sure that he's in a position where he has mitigated as much of the risk as he can, because he told us a story of getting involved in a deal where he didn't have 100% control, and the folks who did kind of left him holding the bag, and all of a sudden he wasn't prepared to step up. A and you need to think like that. The fact that he's thinking like that is, is, is great. You, you need to look at all the dark side of it. We're not saying just go run around and grab money out of people's wallet. It's quite different than that. When you raise capital, you are approaching somebody with an opportunity typically, but also they're buying you and that credibility is huge. We've been around people who, you know, have a webinar and from there they're trying to get 50,000 out of your IRA in the next weekend. And that's not how it works. This is a relationship business and you're building your reputation. Everything that you do either builds or takes away from your reputation. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that things outside of your control aren't going to bite you. I mean, that's part of it. Oh, so they will, for sure. They will. And so one of one of the things you need to do is make sure you don't do a deal, any one deal that could take you down. Because if you go down, then you can't be of service to the people who have invested in and through you. And then the other thing is, is when you're, when you're looking to raise money, don't take so much money from any one person that it could take them down, even right. if they want to do it. 
because that's that's too much responsibility, right? That's not fair to you to have to carry the burden. You know, you don't want to see someone, you know, that's going to lose their house or lose their business or have to pull their kids out of school or send their wife back to work or husband, you know, whatever, whatever the situation is, you, you don't want that on you. And even though it wouldn't be your fault necessarily, you know, you still have a responsibility of saying, hey, you know what, I, I want to make sure that this deal works for both of us kind of no matter which way it goes and it's it that's the matter of being responsible hey we're doing this because we both think it's going to work out that's why we're doing it but the reality is everything doesn't always work out and that's the nature of the beast the reason we are going to get the reward we hope to get is because we're willing to take the risk that we might not and so just always have that in the back of your mind. Well, you want to explain, you know, full disclosure to people what the risk is. It's very disarming in sales when you're upfront about that. Too many would-be salespeople are only painting the positive, and they don't ever talk about the negative. And my experience is certainly that the more forthright you are with the things that could go wrong, the better. I remember a mentor I had who tells the story of being in front of his first big investor, and he did this great presentation. He felt it was going really well, and at the end of it, the investor said, I just have one question. Tell me at least two different ways you'll be able to lose my money in this deal. And he froze. He right. hadn't thought about losing money. He couldn't come up with an answer. And the guy didn't do it for that reason. You better be able to say, yeah, you could lose your money, and here's why. And if this happened, you'd lose your money. If this happened, you'd lose your money. And before we're done today, we'll talk about the legal side of this because we're not we're not going there yet. But if you're going to raise other people's money, there's some things you need to do contractually and, and, and legal and all that. So, But the, the, the idea is you've got to think through both sides. You've got to think, what if it goes well? What if it goes really well? And what if it hits the fan? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about the spirit of the thing. You know, your legal agreements and how you structure the deal and all of those things are going to grow out of two things. One is the spirit of the deal, what you're trying to accomplish and how you approach it. And number two is the, the legalities that you have to comply with in order to avoid getting in trouble. You know, in the securities world, they have this thing called blue sky laws. And that is that you can't run around and just promise the moon. You have to disclose the risk. And if you haven't even thought about the risk, then that tells whoever the prospective investor is that you really haven't done your homework. Right. Because there's always risk. That's why there's a reward. It's, it's, you know, Kiyosaki says all the time, unity is plural at a minimum of two. There's a good, there's a bad, there's a high, there's a low. There, you know, we say compared to what? But the idea is there's no reward without risk. Absolutely. Right? You have to just be honest about that with yourself to start with and then with your investors next. And then you allow people to make an informed decision about what they want to do understanding the risk and the reward. And, you know, obviously your risk mitigation strategies are a big part of what your offering is. And this is less about your offering than just you preparing yourself mentally. And uh, I think in the spirit of the thing, how, how do you want to go to market and present yourself and your deal? And that is, it's it, you want to do it honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Because here's the thing. If you're going to do this business right, then you're going to be with these folks for a long time. Most duration of real estate deals is, is, is more than a half a minute, right? You're going to be in a deal. Now, there's certainly, you know, people raise capital to flip a house and that might be a 90 or 120 day deal people raise capital to go own a rental house forever and it's just put your money in once and, and reap the reward so there's lots of different ways to do it to your point earlier it could be debt you might be looking for a loan from somebody it might be equity you might look for someone who puts us a stake in the deal it might be someone whose credit score you're actually trying to leverage which is a way to to raise capital not from the person directly but from them having the wherewithal to be able to get a loan 
Last week on the show, if you heard Andrew, that's his model. He wore, He's passed the number of loans he can get as an individual, so now he brings on credit partners who put up some money. He puts up some money. He finds the deal. He gets the whole thing negotiated. He takes care of all the, the paperwork and the like, and the person qualifies for the loan. It, it, you have to look at what are you missing in your deal and, and what do you have to go get. Yeah, and that's an interesting concept because you know a big part of getting the loan is the cash flow. And you say, well, if I'm the borrower, then I'm, you know, providing the, the money. But, you know, if I'm the asset manager, even if I'm managing it through a property manager, I'm still responsible for making sure that the money comes in to do the debt service. I get credit for that, right? I mean, there's a lot of work. If you've ever done that, you know, you know that there's a lot of work to making sure that the money comes in. And, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot of time-consuming work, but it is a responsibility uh, to make sure that you pick a good property manager, you do hold them accountable, and that when things go sideways, you either switch them out or coach them up or do whatever you need to do to make sure that the person who signed on that loan has a stream of income that's going to take care of it. The other part of it, if you're managing the money, is making sure that you have uh, adequate reserves so that if there is an interruption in income, you're not having to knock on your credit partner's door and say, hey, buddy, you know what? We're going to have to come up with some money to make this payment or your credit score is going to take a dump, right? And you have a vested interest in protecting that person's credit score because ideally you don't just do one deal with them. You say, hey, you know what? I can get you to four, maybe 10 Fannie Freddie loans, but I got to protect your score, and so I have a vested interest with you as my credit partner to be sure that I'm managing this money and this asset in such a way that your credit score stays protected. We can go do this until you're maxed out. Well, that's a great point. That shows exactly that you've thought through the end game and beyond just this one deal. It's never about the one deal. It's always about the relationship. If you find a great investor who will ride through lots of things with you, that is worth all the time up front to go through that. And if you've already thought to deal number four to, to deal number 10, that tells them that you're thinking about them and you're looking out for them, which is what you have to do. I think that the idea of raising money has gotten a bad name because of the charlatans out there who have ripped people off. Bernie and, Madoff. Well, for example, <laughs> right. There's a new terminology for it. Oh, another Madoff, right? Madoff with the money. Well, the, the, the reality is most people who raise capital do a great job of it. It doesn't mean that every deal goes right. People lose money. You know, the, the best people in the syndication business have lost hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in pursuit of great returns. But the winners are usually more than the losers. I'm so sorry. I just got to say this because the, the reality is, is the mechanisms by which money gets collected and distributed in the marketplace is primarily in the banking system. And those guys have blown it worse than anybody in the history of the earth. I mean, yeah. it's, it's criminal, really, what those guys did. And it's amazing that they haven't been prosecuted. They got away with it. They yeah. got away with it. So, you know, I... I think you look at the corruption, if I can say that, you know, the corruption that exists in our financial system today, as as a local guy on the street, you have a gigantic opportunity to to take people's capital and put it into a deal without having to put it through that corrupt system. And so you might make a few mistakes, but believe me, you are far more capable of doing a good job for your investors than the Wall Street and banking mechanisms that people have come to trust and now distrust. Talk about raising capital on today's program. We'll have more when we come back. We'll also play real estate trivia, give you a chance to win a prize next. This is the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Real estate investment advice right in your mailbox. Sign up for the free Real Estate Guys newsletter at realestateguysradio.com. Do you know what city was ranked number one on Clear Capital's list of highest performing metro markets just this February? It was Atlanta, Georgia. 
Hey, this is Ken Corsini with Georgia Residential Partners. If you haven't heard, Atlanta has just begun an incredible road to recovering real estate values. With an unprecedented demand from investors and a shrinking supply of inventory, properties in the Atlanta market are poised for tremendous growth over the next few years. At Georgia Residential Partners, our mission is to help as many investors as possible buy turnkey cash-flowing properties in the Atlanta metro area with as little headache as possible. With conventional and non-conventional financing available, we can help just about any investor in any number of situations buy residential properties in this market. Check us out online at gainvesting.com or call our office at 770-924-5450. Don't let this window of opportunity pass you by. Looking for solid cash flow in a market where the jobs are likely to stay put? Hi, this is Robert Helms. Join me for the Real Estate Guys Investor Field Trip to Memphis, Tennessee. I'm excited to show you this affordable real estate market where cash flow is the name of the game. You'll meet active developers, rehabbers, property managers, plus folks from the Chamber of Commerce and many surprise guest speakers. Find out how the four R's of Memphis will virtually ensure a steady supply of qualified tenants. For all the details, visit realestateguysradio.com and click on events. Join me in Memphis for an amazing cash flow weekend. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click events. Hi, this is Lawrence Yuan, Chief Economist with National Association of Realtors, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning into the show. We are celebrating Mother's Day weekend this weekend and talking about raising capital, one of the essential skills for an entrepreneur in real estate. Before we get back to it, it's time to play real estate trivia. Your chance to win a prize by knowing today's real estate trivia question, which has something to do with real estate. And, coincidentally, something to do with Mother's Day. As soon as you hear the question and think you know the answer or want to take a guess, send us that very answer to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your name and mailing address so that if you're the winner, we can send you a prize, which this week is a copy of The Social Capitalist, a great new book from Josh and Lisa Lannon. You may have heard them on the Summit Edition of our radio show. They've traveled with us for three Investor Summits in a row, and the book is awesome. That can be yours if you are the first person with the right answer, or we also give away another copy by taking all the correct guesses for the week and holding a drawing. That way, if you're listening on the podcast, you still have a chance to win. Last week on The Real Estate Guys, here was our trivia question. In what country was the baseball glove invented? The answer? In Canada in 1883. Here's our trivia question for this week. Where was the holiday of Mother's Day first celebrated? In what large chunk of real estate, that's a city, was the holiday of Mother's Day first celebrated? I'll give you a hint. It was in 1908. If you know or want to take a guess, send your answer along with your mailing address to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. We'll give away a couple copies of The Social Capitalist, the great book from Josh and Lisa Landon. That can be yours if you have the right answer for real estate trivia. We're talking today about raising capital, going to the marketplace and trying to get other people's money for all the right reasons, to make your deal happen, to make sure they get a return. There's a lot of folks out there who aren't as interested as you are in real estate investing. They're not listening to the podcast. They're not coming to the seminars. They're not reading the books. They're not investing in their education, but they have capital they need to put to work. They've got busy jobs, family lives. Those are great folks for you to be able to approach to say, hey, here's what I'm doing. Maybe there's a chance for you to play because 
I'll tell you what, in the first three deals, I ran out of my, out of my own capital, and here's a chance to, to expand that. And, and I think that's the mindset that most people are in when they're talking about raising money. I, I think one of the things that we do at our Secrets of Successful Syndication event is we have our roundtable discussion, our panel. Almost all the speakers talk about this very thing. Where do you go to raise the money? The two hardest things in syndication is finding the deal, finding a really solid deal that has the potential to return where the risk is mitigated, and raising the money. Right. Once you've mastered those two things, you're there. We're not talking about finding the deal today. We're assuming you've got that part covered. We're talking about raising the capital. And it doesn't even have to be some big you know, $3 million equity raise. It's as simple as going to grandma for a $10,000 loan. But somebody needs to be on your side, and you need to develop the skill set to be able to present what it is that you're trying to do. Well, I think one of the important things, especially if you're just getting started, is to realize that before you're building a portfolio, you're building a resume. And, you know, you start out with your education, uh, you start out with your associations, you know, there are groups you can belong to, there are uh, advisory boards you can create, there are mentoring situations you can enter into, uh, and then you begin to build your resume, and that resume includes uh, experience. I mean, I've done some deals, and typically they're going to be smaller deals, and you, they might, you might look at them on the surface and go, this thing's not even worth my time. Well, maybe not financially it's not worth your time, but it's worth your time to put it, be able to put it on your resume. It may also be worth your time because of the relationship it gets you into. And so, you know, be aware of that when you start contemplating this notion. And really, you should be thinking about that all the time anyway. I mean, at the end of the day, in any business, I don't care what you're doing, you have two primary responsibilities. And it just blows me away how many people don't focus on these two primary responsibilities. Number one, build your reputation. Number two, build your network. Because if you have a lot of people and a good reputation, pretty much anything you want to do is going to work. Conversely, if you don't have a very good reputation and you don't have anybody to go to, then anything you want to do is going to be a real uphill slog. And so start just on that. Just begin working on that and who you are associated with and how they think of you and what they say about you is going to be a real important part because the Internet has made reputation Unlike any other time in history, it's harder and harder to be a bad egg and not get found out. It's so true, right? I mean, even 10 years ago, people could go from town to town and their sleaze show on wheels and, and go extract money out of a crowd and move on to the next crowd. That certainly happened in the 1800s and the 1900s, and now it's virtually impossible. As soon as someone's out there and doing something, it's going to get found out. You have to guard your reputation jealously, more important today than ever, because as soon as you misstep, it's going to be all over the internet. Right. I want to go back to this notion of uh, the younger set that is listening to the show because I have this conversation with my kids, all of whom are in their 20s. And the, uh, the idea is this, 20, 30 years from now, this generation is going to be the guys that are trying to be CEOs of companies. They're going to be the guys that are running for political office. And what you do on Facebook or in social media literally lives forever. You say, well, I deleted it. No, on some server somewhere, somebody took an image of it. It's there. And when you run for office or try to get into the executive boardroom, that video from spring break is showing up. Yeah, and it, you just have to ask yourself in the, in the overall scope of your entire life and all of the things you want to do and all the things that you haven't even figured out that you want to do but you might want to do. It, dreams may be bigger even than you think 
think you're capable of. And then you have to ask yourself, how is what I'm doing right now, if it were to show up at that point in the future, when an important decision maker is looking at me and making a character judgment, what is that going to look like? Now, hey, you know, we're in our 50s. Right. So we did a lot of stupid things in our 20s because we understand what it's like to be in your 20s. Right. I, I get that. <laughs> Fortunately, we did it at a time where nobody was running around with cell phones and, and, and posting stuff up. Right. It doesn't exist anywhere except in the archives of our memory and the few unfortunate people that were there to witness it. I am so happy about that. <laughs> You know, I mean, you say this all the time, you know, the hardest people to raise money from is your friends because they've seen you drunk in your underwear. But the whole world has seen you drunk in your underwear. Then that really limits your prospects for raising money. Well, this is a great segue because I think we want to talk tactically about really what it takes to go and and get someone to part with their hard-earned money. And the first part of it is... Who's your peer group, right? When we have the panel at at, syndicate, at the syndication event, Sam Freshman, Ken McElroy, all of us you know, on the panel basically say, well, when you don't have a reputation and you don't have a track record, you pretty much have to start with the people who already know you, like you, and trust you. They may not trust yet your ability to invest you know, like some great investor, but they do know your character. They do know who you are. The point about your friend's seeing the real you and knowing the real you is sometimes that works against you, right? It's this whole art of, of third-party credibility. If I meet somebody and, and take them at face value, I haven't seen them drunk in their underwear and, and probably don't want to. But the point is, when you have the close knowledge with, with somebody, that can be an advantage, but it can be a disadvantage because grandma's always going to say, yeah, well, remember that time that you run out of money on your lemonade stand? All right, well, things change, but the, the bottom line is they know it where your heart is and, they, and and people you can you can approach. So I think the whole idea, people have a challenge approaching family. You've got to just have the talk. You just have to, to explain that this is an opportunity, but it has risk. So one of my lifelong friends is now, we're now doing a deal together. And we've never done really a transaction of any kind together. And we're doing kind of a big deal together. And before we sat down to do this deal, we had the talk. The talk was, hey, we've been friends for a long time. I always want to be your friend. I don't want any stupid real estate deal to have any chance of having an impact on our friendship. So we just have to know from the get-go, if the deal goes sideways, if you mess up, if I mess up, the friendship will survive the deal. Because no deal's worth that. And it was great. A lot of people don't have that talk. And so now you get in a situation where you can't even be at a party because Aunt Martha, whose money you lost, is going to be there. Don't, don't be that person. Make sure, I'm not saying you might not lose Aunt Martha's money, but make sure you go in open-eyed. She understands exactly what the risks are. And to your point earlier, she's good with that, right? That your, your investor, the person who's investing in you is going to take a risk. They're trying to mitigate risk too. There's so many people out there barking for their money. They would rather entrust it to somebody they care about and know, most people would, than some stranger, some Madoff. Well, I, th- I, th- I think that's the advantage that you have. That really is the advantage that you have in today's marketplace. The fact that Wall Street and uh, the banking industry has really lost the trust of the uh, public is a great advantage to you as an aspiring raiser of capital. Again, we said at the top of the show, the information that you need is available, so your responsibility is really to be diligent, to avail yourself of the information that's available, to 
create a great advisory team so that when you do run into legal or tax or technical questions, you have people to lean on uh, in terms of managing the asset, whether it's a property or whatever it is, uh, that you have experienced people that you can call upon with good track records. You know, everybody has to start someplace. And so if you're just starting out, we get a lot of emails. I, I see all the emails that come across, right? People would ask the guys and, you know, a lot of the questions are about how do I get started? How do I get started? How do I get started? And, and really, even though this show's about raising capital, and largely it's about how do I get started? And it's about, again, building your reputation and building your network and building your resume and getting that experience and then availing yourself of the information that's available to you to go out and do the things you need to do. So let's talk mindset a little bit about approaching somebody. The first thing you have to recognize is never bet the farm on one deal. Right. Never bet the farm on one person. Don't say, well, if only I can get Aunt Martha to do this, then everything's great. Oh, you know, It's like the person waiting around for their great aunt to die and leave them all this money, and either she doesn't die or it turns out she didn't have any money. If you're waiting for something like that to happen, you're, you're in the wrong place. That's the whole point of this show. You can go and raise capital from people. You don't have to wait for you to win the lottery. You're not going to win the lottery. Someone's going to win the lottery, just not you. <laughs> so you've got to approach people and, and you can't be, this is just sales 101, you can't be attached to the outcome. What you want to get your mind, here's where you want to get your mind. You want to, you know this deal is going to be great. You feel very strongly about it. You think it could be a great return. You don't want to be at a party five years from now and have one of your great friends or relatives say, you know, you made all that money in that deal. Why didn't you come to me? Right. So if I get that in my mindset, I mean, really, that's my mindset. Then your job is just to invite people to take a look. Just to say, hey, it may not be for you. And if it's not for them, no harm, no foul. Be respectful of that. If your aunt says, you know, I just don't feel comfortable doing this, you say, hey, no problem. Do, is there anyone you'd know? Well, and this this is a great thing. I mean, now we're kind of getting into the tactical of the sales side of things. And sales isn't a, a nasty thing. I mean, some people are very, oh, salespeople. I mean, they're slimy. And well, they, that's because they're talking about poor salespeople. Well, yeah. they're Great talking, salespeople they're talking about, are awesome. Right. They're talking about salespeople that lead with their need and that you just don't. You never lead with your need. Nobody cares about your need. Even the people that care about you deep down inside, they don't care about you as much as they care about themselves. And so you always have to lead with your solution. And so you have to uncover the problems that people have. You know, I've got money. I'm not getting enough yield. I'm concerned about inflation. I need a hedge. I don't trust Wall Street. Uh, whatever. I mean, whatever their need is, you lead with that. And then, you know, we just came off of the NFL draft. And you look at these teams that have great talent, that already have a great roster, and yet everybody has what's called a depth chart. You know, you have your active roster, and, and then you have your reserve roster. You have the, the, the guys that are practice squad, right? And so the point is you have these people. you got the main guy you're going to, and you hope that guy's the guy, and he comes through. But if he doesn't, if something happens, and sometimes stuff happens, right? So you say, okay, I've got this deal all lined up. i got an investor who's pledged 100000 or 2000 or a million or whatever the number is. Or I've got a credit partner who says, hey, I'm going to sign the loan. And then you go to the guy and say, okay, I got the deal. We're in contract. I just let the deposit go hard. <laughs> you know, Time for you to sign on the dotted line and it will write the check or wire the money. And the guy says, well, you know, something's changed. Well, we're, what's your plan B? You need to have a plan B, especially if that deposit money came from another investor. Because now you've got a situation where investor B, who needed to finish the deal, just screwed you and investor A, who started the deal. And that's kind of the way it works. So not only are you building an advisory team, it goes back to the notion of building your network, but you're building a database of people so that you, know, you say, okay, you're my number one guy. I've got two or three guys behind you. Well, from a sales perspective, that guy doesn't want to give that job up, right? I mean, he's like, hey, 
I want you to call me. I mean, and if I don't perform, I know the other guy's going to get the thing. It changes the entire dynamic. If the guy's got you over a barrel, he's like, hey, it's sink or swim. You got to show up or I'm sunk, right? That's a very different dynamic than saying, hey, no problem. I'll just move on to the next guy. Well, and that in context is something you need to prepare for, which is this. Always, always overfund your deal. I don't mean really take more money in than you need. What I mean is you don't want to say, yes, let's go, if one guy said yes. Even if it's enough money, you want to have three or four people you've talked to because of that very thing. You don't know what's going to happen. Plus, always better to have them playing off of each other. If I think I'm the only investor you came to, I'm going to be act very differently than I know you have another appointment right after me. Right. Right? So have another appointment. Now, here's another reality of raising money. You're going to make your list. You're going to come up with your 10 people, your prospects, people in your life and world that you think might be candidates. Number one on the list is the guy that you're pretty sure is going to do it. And number 10 barely made the list. Number 10 will do it more times than number one. Yeah, it, just... is, it is never who you think it is. The person you judge, oh, they wouldn't be interested, is your most likely person. The person you're, who is a laydown isn't going to do it. You just, you never know. So yeah, you never judge. And here's another thing too, just about building your network and getting things lined up. You don't have to have the deal in your hand to go out and begin to solicit interest. Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. If I find a deal that fits this parameter, would you be interested? The guy says, yes, it's like, great. I don't have anything right now, but I've got you on my list. That's very disarming. It's easy for a guy to say yes when he doesn't really have to follow through at the moment. And getting to the big yes, where ultimately the check comes through, or the contract gets signed is really the byproduct or the end product of a series of little yeses you get along the way. And so learning that skill, it, it's, it's very disarming. It's easier to build your network and then you start making the calls and you'll find out going through that process when you do have a real deal, who's just talk and who's, who's walk. And it's not just that some people are full of hot air. It's that they may very well have intended at the time of the conversation to do it, but stuff does come up. Yeah, you know what? We were going to put $50,000 into your deal and then unfortunately, Fortunately, my aunt had a heart attack. She doesn't have any money. We've got to go pay for her hospital bill. I mean, that stuff happens all the time. Yeah. People have lives. People have situations. I always want a triple fund. If I'm raising $100,000, I want to make sure I have 300000 lined up before I really pull the trigger. That way I know the worst news I have to deliver to somebody is, gosh, I'm really, really sorry, but I just, you know, I, I, I don't have any room left in the deal, but I'll have another one. To your point, Russ, it is so disarming. The worst thing you can do ever is need the money by Friday. That's it. It doesn't matter how good the deal is. And we get this all the time. People come to us when there's 10 days left. And I'm like, that is so disrespectful. Like, you haven't been working on this deal for 10 days. You've been working on this deal for six months. And only in your dire hour of need, you come to me? It's going to cost you. I mean, it is. And that's not the way. You you never want to be the guy that needs the money by this Friday. So a much better way to raise capital is before you actually need it, before you have a deal, before there's a deal on the table. Let's say you've researched a market and you decide, you know, there's a great opportunity to buy a fourplex in this particular neighborhood. And you've looked around and your realtor has brought you some deals. You're like, okay, this is this is great. I'm, I'm sharpening my pencil. I'm keeping my eyes out. While you're doing that, you go line up some money. Go, hey, if I found a deal like this, would you be interested? Well, show me the deal. Well, there's no deal right now. I'm just wondering because before I go get a deal and contract, I got to know who's on my team. It's a great disarming way to go see if someone's interested. And just because they say yes doesn't mean they're going to write a check. We're talking today about raising capital. We got lots more ideas when we come back. You're doing the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Need help with your real estate investment portfolio? Check out the resources page at realestateguysradio.com. 
Are you ready to profit in paradise? Hi, it's Robert Helms. And if you think real estate investing means tenants, toilets, and termites, think again. Located just a short plane ride from the U.S., a virtually untouched paradise awaits. The beautiful country of Belize. When you go to Belize with the Real Estate Guys, you'll spend four fabulous days discovering one of the most intriguing real estate markets I've ever seen. With its jungle rainforests, pristine beaches, and 81-degree turquoise water, Belize is one of the most beautiful places on Earth. Plus, it's considered one of the top seven tax havens in the world. And why U.S. real estate continues to drop, Belize property is on the rise, and many experts think the best is yet to come. But don't just take my word for it. Come experience Belize firsthand at our upcoming investor field trip. When you join us, you'll discover the many reasons we love Belize, like tremendously undervalued beachfront land, super low taxes, ease of doing business, and so much more. Get the details at realestateguysradio.com. Just click on events. See paradise for yourself. Click events at realestateguysradio.com, and I'll see you in beautiful Belize. This is Todd Buchholz, author of Rush, Why You Need and Love the Rat Race, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Every weekend on this fabulous radio station, all the time at realestateguysradio.com. We're talking about raising money, one of the core skills for a real estate entrepreneur. If you are satisfied just owning three or four houses for the rest of your life, then you don't ever have to approach anybody. You can just save up your own money to buy deals. But... If you want to play a bigger game, then the advantage you have today is to go out and raise money from people who desperately are looking for return. And if you approach it the right way, there's money out there to be had. Well, I mean, you have the opportunity to diversify your own portfolio as well as help other people diversify their portfolio. Now, some people raise money in a community and they invest in the community and everybody can see and feel the deal and it's great. Uh, other people say, well, gee, I have the opportunity now to take a small amount of capital that I have and combine it with a small amount of capital that other people have, and I can diversify across different product types, different marketplaces, uh, because, you know, economic things happen. At one point in time, Detroit was the richest city in America. Today, it's the poster child for blight and distress. And, you know, if you were just dedicated your whole life to investing in that marketplace, you could still make money. You'd definitely have to change your game, but it would be a lot more challenging. How much easier is it and how much safer is it to diversify a little bit? Well, when you go down that path of diversification, that is very intimidating for a local investor who says, hey, I believe in real estate. I'd like to play real estate. I'm busy. You know, but yeah, if you're investing in real estate, I'm interested. Well, then you talk to them about the diversification concept and you actually have found a way to add additional value to the relationship because that in their mind is a lot more work. And honestly, it is a little bit more work, right? Because now you've got to travel. You have to go learn a new market. You have to build a new team. Uh, you have to do all of those things. And then you have to monitor those activities. But I mean, we, we do that kind of stuff all the time. And so it, it's not as intimidating as it might sound. I mean, just like if you look at our little route of field trips in the different marketplaces we go to, we know the markets, we have teams there. We show people how to get into different marketplaces relatively quickly, relatively easily, and it's all about that concept of being able to offer your investor base a plug-and-play diversification program. You know, we've seen this happen recently with a couple of different investors that are one-trick ponies. They have one market and one thing they're doing, and it's worked really well for a number of years, then the market shifts, and then it's not in favor. And before you know it, they're scrambling. If you become really good at raising capital, and if you diversify across markets and product types, you become the rainmaker in a lot of ways. You're the deal maker. You're the person people go to. That's what you're after. You want to be after a reputation where people come to you and say, hey, what are you working on? I'm looking to, to put some money to work. And the way you do that is by being diligent, by building your reputation, by 
communicating. One of the great things Sam Freshman said at the last syndication event is when you have bad news, say it early and say it often. Tell people the bad news when there's bad news. If you can do that and it's hard to do, you will earn their trust and respect. And then when you deliver the good news, they'll be relieved and they'll be happy about it. So you have to be as honest and open, as transparent as possible, and recognize you're not going to bat a 1,000. Every real estate deal is not going to go well. You are going to have challenges. You are going to have to call people up and tell them their money is gone. And if you're not up to that, then this game isn't for you. Yeah, so I have a gem right now, so I hope you're taking notes. You ready? Everybody who can write a check isn't a good investor. (laughs) There are people when you deliver bad news, we'll shoot the messenger. What do you mean the bond market crashed? That's your fault. What do you mean the Fed raised interest rate? That's your fault. You're telling me that high rise that we bought in Las Vegas isn't worth what it was once? Are you crazy? What did you do? Exactly. I mean, you know, having been in that seat, you know, you look back and you know, there's just certain people that probably I didn't want to be in business with. And I didn't really know that at the time, right? So, you you know, think about that because, you know, Bob Helm says all the time that the information about the relationship is available at the beginning if you will heed the warning signs. And so often we don't because we're desperate or hungry or anxious to get the money and get the deal done. And that goes back to the point we made earlier about the notion of always make sure you have more money lined up than you're really going to need to do any given deal. Now, raising capital is a huge skill, but we have left out all kinds of things today. We haven't talked about legal disclosure and all that, and we haven't talked about structure, and there's so much involved, more than we could cover on an hour radio show. We are very happy to be doing our syndication event again. If this is something that really interests you, well, we'd like to invite you to the Secrets of Successful Syndication. It's now two full days. It's August 23rd and 24th in Phoenix, Arizona. We've got an amazing cast. The uh, faculty on this is is insane. Uh, it's going to be really a lot of fun, but a ton of information. You're going to leave there with your head spinning, but you're going to have tangible things you can do. You're going to have met some great folks. I'll tell you this, the caliber of people who come to this event, I'm talking about the attendees, not the people in the front of the room. The caliber of people who come to this event are amazing. Anyone who is serious enough to come learn about aggregating capital and spend this kind of time and money to be at an event are the right people. The networking alone, if you don't listen to what anybody says, if you have your headphones on while Ken McElroy is talking, it'll still be a great event. Now, I'd recommend you don't have your headphones on while Ken's talking unless you're listening to the real estate guys. Pay attention to the guy because he is absolute gold. I mean, talk about nuggets. Ken McElroy, one of the most successful syndicators, investors we know, also just an amazingly nice guy. you got to come out and hang out with Ken. Uh, for the first time, CPA Tom Wheelwright will be joining us, so we're excited about that. We haven't talked before in syndication about the tax ramifications and some of the tools that you can use as a syndicator because your people that are investing are not just looking for returns, some are looking for tax benefit. How does that bleed through to them? We're going to cover all that this time. We've got Attorney Mauricio Raul talking about the complete legal structure, everything more than you think you need to know about making sure you're legally protected when you do these deals. Uh, it's extraordinary. Go to our website at realestateguysradio.com and click on advance and you'll see the secrets of successful syndication. We wish you luck in your investing and until next week, go out and make some equity happen. This episode of the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at beyourbank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers, low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the Resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. 
to learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show.